Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special episode of the pod where we feature an RSPA member who will speak at Retail Now 2022. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event scheduled this year for July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now will feature six education tracks, more than 20 education sessions, and dozens of expert presenters, including... Tracy Landy, the Vice President of Strategy and Growth, uh, Strategy and Growth and Business Development Lead at RSPA Vendor Member Vault. Tracy has years of experience leading marketing efforts for several tech companies, most of them in the San Francisco Bay Area. Prior to Vault, Tracy was the Head of Brand Marketing for Key Events, a B2B experiential marketing company, Head of Corporate Marketing for Coso Cloud, Senior Project Lead for Strategic Initiatives at Audience, and the Head of Global Marketing Communications for RSPA member Blue Star. That was back from 08 to 2011. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, always great to talk with you. You and I go way back. So this will be like a couple of old friends reconnecting and getting together. <laughs> this time we're, we're just recording it for the first time. Yep. Wonderful. So Tracy's going to be part of a Retail Now 2022 panel, and it's titled Building a Better Employee Experience. And instead of previewing that panel and spoiling it for you before you go to the show, we're going to take an extra deep dive into just a slice of that discussion. And that's why the title of this episode is How to Leverage the Unconventional to recruit talent in a post-COVID world. And so your recruiting process is the first step in the employee experience. So Tracy, let's start with your story. So I just mentioned the four tech companies you've worked for in the past, yeah. and I'm guessing the only one that our listeners are familiar with was Blue Star. So, you know, every other company, you know, that you worked with plays outside the retail IT channel. So talk right. about your recruiting story. Talk about how you found your way to vault and back to this industry after about 11 years since your final day at Blue Star. Yeah. So I've spent the last decade in uh, technology marketing, uh, primarily for startups through hypergrowth, uh, IPO and beyond. Uh, most recently, I've spent uh, most of my time in brand strategy, and that's how uh, I found my way back to uh, the channel and specifically to vaults. Uh, I think where the story gets interesting is at the beginning of the pandemic, you and I started talking and having more conversations. Um, you had shared kind of some thoughts around um, how you were seeing the future of marketing within the channel, uh, that, that you were seeing an under um, a transformation, if you will, in the channel of becoming more of a, an ecosystem. I thought that was pretty compelling. And, and I had shared with you this work that I was doing around a brand strategy. So I, I had uh, built a, a brand strategy playbook and I had been consulting uh, with companies, helping them define their strategy uh, for whether it be for revenue or even recruitment. Uh, you thought that I should meet the good people at Vault. Uh, so I did, and they were doing some very uh, compelling work uh, around the mobile point of sale space. And uh, we actually dove into that process for a whole quarter of helping them define uh, and build their path forward. Um, and here we are today. I am actually employed <laughs> by uh, Vault. So thank you for that introduction. Sure, happy to do it. Well, thanks for taking the initial outreach. You know, one of my friends, Carl Polichuk, uh, managed services provider uh, guru, always says nothing happens by itself. So you were the yes. one I remember tapping me on the shoulder, and that's uh, that's how we broached those conversations. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah so how, how did it go from you connecting with Vault to then coming on board uh, with them? Can you talk about that? Because I think a lot of people think, you know, recruiting in general is you post a job, a bunch of people apply for a job, and then you whittle it down to a handful of people, and then you pick you know, whoever is that. I guess, can you give a little bit more behind the scenes in terms of how one thing led to, to where you are today? Absolutely. So it's kind of interesting. First of all, as, as you just reviewed, my background is in brand strategy, uh, but the role that I'm in is primarily sales. It's revenue uh, driven. And um, I don't know that I ever gave them a resume. And uh, I had the same approach actually when I was tasked the, the mission uh, my mission on day one was to onboard uh, our first phase of growth, which is our North American um, business development team. And so uh, I did this, took the same approach as I do with brand strategy. Um, I think it was very fortunate. So I would recommend if, if you don't have a corporate strategy, 
uh, I'd start with that. That's actually the heavy lifting part. But once you have a defined and informed strategy, everything else falls into place. And uh, it was because of that, I was able to um, define what the organization needed to look like uh, and then build my pipeline, begin the recruiting process and onboard uh, within 30 days, my entire team. Um, so what does that look like? Uh, uh, because I had the strategy, we knew what our go-to-market strategy was. So, you know, we all know that a traditional um, recruitment um, process and platforms are, they're good at best. And uh, what, what I need is something superior uh, in order to achieve um, the goals that we had set in place. So uh, I kind of moved off of the traditional path and I wrote all of the job descriptions uh, according to uh, the outcomes that I was looking for. So, uh, you know, you see a lot of cookie cutter, um, you know, sales uh, manager uh, jobs that are, you know, they're, they're flawed by design because they're yeah. this umbrella approach of, you know, going after the entire addressable market versus very specific and focused. So I defined uh, the roles by the um, the targets that we would be going after and the, as I said, the outcomes that we wanted to achieve. And I personalized each, uh, each job description. I personalized uh, the job posting. And then uh, I actually thought back to sort of how I came to Vault and the introductions you've made uh, for me to Vault and to other companies and how, uh, you know, one of the things with the pandemic is it accelerated more authentic conversations. You know, you and I had some really great conversations over that time. And, and uh, I really spent that time um, developing, further developing my relationships, new and old. And I also spent that time uh, talking to a lot of market leaders. Um, so twofold. First, uh, I learned by talking to market leaders that when I asked, what are your plans for post-pandemic world in terms of sales or marketing? And you know what? Not one of them had a plan. Every single one said, we don't know, we're waiting to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that, I saw an opportunity. So um, I, I knew that uh, just as I had come to vault in one of the tightest recruitment or job markets that I've ever seen in my career. Easy for me to find consulting work, easy for me to land in a role, but now I'm on the other side uh, trying to hire in a post-pandemic world. Um, So uh, I looked back to uh, how I came to Vault, as I said, and I began to look through my network and I didn't look for title. In fact, I didn't want uh, a salesperson. I wanted uh, to hire by characteristic, so in terms of, you know, obviously skills, knowledge and experience, but looking for specific characteristics, traits of the type of individual that I would need uh, in order to um, get to a successful outcome. And so uh, I, I started to talk to my network, Facebook, reached out to friends on Facebook okay. that I thought might have these, uh, these qualities. Uh, through my contacts. I talked to you. I talked to other folks in in the channel. Um, And then I went through my network on uh, LinkedIn and I just started having conversations with people. Uh, So here we are today. So within 30 days onboarded and uh, and as of today, we're actually day 30 of of post onboarding, which I can talk about as well. Good. Perfect, perfect timing for us to have this conversation. Let me let me ask a few specifics because I know you know when you and I first discussed this topic. I remember right after I hung up the phone, I sent a message to RSV VP of Education, Kathy Meter. I'm like, this is the first time I've heard somebody who's got the stories, the details, like a really digestible framework, you know, for how they're effectively recruiting in today's world. Because everybody else is just they're not talking about onboarding; they're complaining about the people that they that they can't get. So just a couple yeah. uh, specifics. So first, what what are the position or positions that you're hiring for you've just hired? So everybody so understands. So for our first phase, and, and we will continue uh, to grow, uh, but our first phase we have, um, without giving away too much in terms of the strategy, we've sure. got our, our head of um, strategic partnerships, and that individual has a very specific focus uh, that aligns directly to our corporate strategy. Okay. We have um, 
a, a strategic account manager who is, uh, she provides a sort of, if, if you will, a concierge service to all of our partner accounts uh, to add added resource and support for our, our strategic partners. Uh, we have account leads that are uh, more vertical or space focused. Um, so whether that might be, you know, venues, arenas, uh, aspirational brands, uh, uh, internet first brands like, you know, that, that uh, are, are now in brick and mortar. And then our most important role is uh, the team that is managing our ISV and VAR relationships, the, 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 the channel. Got it. So I guess one thing that I like about this is these titles aren't just sales partnerships like it sounds like you're getting really detailed in terms of exactly you know the the role that they have you're almost niching it out uh, to yep. an extent because you know sales is a big umbrella and somebody doing customer service is way different from somebody who's just generating leads which is different from somebody uh, who's closing so so thank you for those you had said earlier about job descriptions based on outcomes i'm curious what that looks like because you know i've seen a lot of job descriptions and you almost stop reading halfway through because you, you know, your brain kind of fills in the rest because they're all the yeah. same is what they are. Talk about like some of the outcomes that you have, whatever you're willing to share uh, sure. uh, with this. Sure. So uh, I'll give a little piece because I think this is important. The you, you know, when we did the corporate strategy work, one of the things about Vault that that the reason that I'm at Vault and uh, that was so compelling is that beyond their product, they have uh, a a a quality product. They have a fantastic brand. Um, but we found that sure their bread and butter was in a specific space. Um, and, uh, but they had this thing that, um, these, um, they were getting validation upstream. They had a handful of market leading enterprise customers. Uh, and then downstream, they had a handful of validated enterprise end customers. And that's really unusual uh, when you look at a company of this size and where they're at uh, in their own um, journey. And so it, it made sense you know, if we wanted to um, build out a strategy for significant growth, you know, you want to go after uh, some of these larger opportunities. And so... Um, and how we get there, we've defined that. It's a very specific path in how we get there. And we have had tremendous success uh, over the last uh, few months. So what we do is reverse engineer the uh, job description, if you will, of what are the activities um, and tasks? What is the work that the individual needs to do in order to get to a successful outcome? And, and that is how we built the job descriptions. Okay, so it wasn't just the here's going to be your day to day activities. It's all and what is this leading towards? And it's not just more revenue. You're talking about like you just said specifically these kinds of customers are the ones that we want to bring on board, retain, you know, mm -hmm. keep keep long term. Am I understanding that correctly? You are. So we defined the the plan, you know, the the strategy, and now uh, we uh, are helping. And this leads on to the onboarding to ensure they're successful. We're now defining what we think that path looks like uh, to get there and building the role uh, to fit that. Got it. Got it. Okay. And, and then one. So I apologize. I'm like interrupting you from telling your your framework, but I wanted you brought up so many specifics. Um, you said personalizing the job post and the and the job description. Can you talk about that? When I think of personalization, I think it would say Mary, right, or something like that. But I'm thinking you can't. <laughs> I can't exactly do well, that. You don't know sure. uh, who's on the other end. So when you say personalization, uh, what should our what should our listeners and viewers picture? What should I picture? That's interesting that you picked up on that. Um, so it is certainly customized to the, the strategy, but remember, I'm also looking at my pipeline. So if I put my mar marketing hat back on, I'm trying to build pipeline, right, of quality, qualified leads. Uh, so while I'm talking to my network, uh, I am refining my job description because I'm already thinking about two weeks from now, 30 days from now, that specific individual is going to be in this role. So I'm further defining the job description, uh, sort of co-creation uh, with, with that in mind. And that feeds directly into or informs, if you will, the onboarding plan. 
Got it. And so I'm understanding it that uh, as you're talking, so you have your job description you come up with and your job post, but as you're engaging with more people, you're going back and shaping that based on what you're learning. Am I understanding that correctly? Like it's not, we posted that thing six months ago and it's not yielding anything. You're constantly going back and tweaking based on your conversation. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really not even posting it because I'm going after okay. very specific targets. I know who I want on my team. Uh, okay. I know what I'm looking for because I did the work on the front end. I have a very clear view into what the need is. So I'm not looking to yield, you know, 200 applicants and hopefully 2%, you know, will convert. Yeah. Uh, I have very specific targets. Okay, so it's fine. So I just, so uh, our listeners, and so I guess both, so you're aware as well, uh, Tracy, and you might be because I tagged you on a LinkedIn post earlier today. So the RSP last week, you know, we decided we're hiring a new uh, Marcom manager. So I moved into the CEO role. I That's was right. VP of marketing. Uh, Chris Arnold, who was the Marcom manager, is now uh, the director of marketing and strategic partnerships. And so we're backfilling nice. for his position. And so he posted something on LinkedIn because we just wanted to get something out there. Well, all of a sudden, we've got like 50 resumes to deal with. And you're suddenly like, this is a lot of work to do. And I don't know if any, like, I don't know if any of these people and I don't know if any of them are a fit. Uh, whatsoever. And so mm -hmm. it sounds like you're saying that's not the best approach to go is just throw it out there and see, you know, talk to a whole bunch of strangers because it's going to take a whole bunch of time. And I don't even think these people technically applied for the position, right? I think they just have some sort of alert on and bam, we get their resume. We didn't get anything mm -hmm. personalized uh, mm -hmm. from them. So again, I apologize. I know, you know, we're going to talk about onboarding and all that stuff uh, yeah, later, but I'm just trying to, trying to dive in a little bit. So um, yeah. So talk about that, uh, because I'm sure that's what a lot of other folks are doing. Let me post it on LinkedIn, cross my fingers. Look, I, uh, I've i had some of my best roles uh, for, as a result of applying through LinkedIn. So I think that uh, I would definitely pull that lever. Um, okay. And I think especially in the channel where it's, you know, it's a very tight community and RSPA is such a, a known um, an appreciated brand. Uh, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you get a lot of good um, uh, candidates there. I think that um, the what I would recommend is ensuring that the job description is uh, aligned with your corporate with your uh, organization's strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want my team to be successful. I, I know that there was kind of an old school way of you, know, you hire uh, you know, a, a team of people and some of them work and some of them don't and uh, you check in 30 days later, how's your progress? And, and you know, what we're doing here is uh, it, it's, it's corporate strategy, right? And we want to ensure uh, uh, and guarantee if at all possible um, outcomes for success. Got it. Yeah. And so you've got to make sure you have those things lined up. It's funny. You said you put on your marketing hat and is that something that you think maybe I'm uh, casting my own opinion and trying to have you validate it. Is this why you think some folks aren't successful with recruiting and hiring the right people because you really have to go and market it. Um, whether it's how you present your brand in, in overall, right? Like you said, RSP has a good brand and I agree, you know, it's had a good brand. It's been around for, you know, 74 years so i'm not like straining my arm patting myself on the back right the rspa has had a strong name for you know, way right. before i was ever involved uh in it and so it's that brand and then it's how you present the job as opposed to just some boring you know run-of-the-mill uh job and then it's also like you said that one-to-one -one marketing like you have to think like a marketer instead of just running a classified ad like it used to be in in the day am i understanding that correctly Absolutely. Uh, and I guess also selling, selling the role, because you know, remember, I'm talking to people who they, they might be have a background in business development uh, or or a creative somewhere else. Um, and they don't see necessarily yet what I see. Uh, and um, I think that goes back to also customizing and personalizing the role to ensure their success. Yeah. And then talk about that, because I've always been a huge fan of that in terms of here's exactly where everybody needs to fit. And it's almost when so I'll just give, you know, hypothetical when somebody leaves the team, that's your opportunity. Instead of saying, I'm going to backfill for exactly what that person was doing. Let's look at everything that we're doing. Let's see what people where they fit best, what they really like to do and kind of morph those jobs with the current team that you have. And then you're probably not going to recruit for the exact same job that you had before. It's going to be a little bit different. 
from that. Is Am I understanding that uh, correctly That's in right. terms of you did something to that degree? That's right. We're, I am constantly looking at uh, our ecosystem, if you will. And um, as people are moving, uh, looking at even folks from uh, different parts of the organization that might, uh, you know, we have sales engineers, we have a whole team that supports uh, our revenue team. And um, so always looking at, you know, uh, bringing people in from, from within the organization uh, and um, even some of the people that we have on our team today, uh, very different than what the role was originally shaped as, but uh, because we, personalize the roles around their specific skills, knowledge, experience, and most importantly, their, their, their character traits, uh, their secret, you know, everyone's got a superpower, right? And so leveraging that, so to ensure their success, um, I think that's what's key. And if you've done the work, all of the, if you have a defined and clear strategy, uh, and a lot of companies do, the rest mm-hmm. of it really does fall into place. You just have to put a little more work on the front end, mm-hmm. but it pays off. Yes, because you'll end up with happier people, better performance. And if I can share, I guess, just a little of a personal story and why this is probably hits close to home for me. So, you know, when I joined Jameson Publishing Business Solutions Magazine, you know, back uh, in the day, I started moving into an operations role. And I remember being on a call with one of the owners and somebody else. And it was like a two hour call. It was about insurance. I can't remember what kind of insurance, but like I had to (laughs) stand up because I couldn't, you know, stay awake. Like it was so boring, like I could care less. You know, it was our controller uh, who was in the room as well. And then right mm-hmm. after the owner hangs up the phone, and he says, you could not look any, you know, un- any unhappier. I'm like, who could be happy? Who enjoys that stuff? <laughs> he's like, well, some people do. I'm like, well, not me. Like, if there's a way that we can shape my job that I don't have to deal with that insurance stuff, like, I just don't have the the tolerance for it. I almost felt like I was immature and, you know, with that, but mm-hmm. it's just never been my speed. Like I cannot do it. Like the biggest employer here in Erie, Pennsylvania is Erie insurance. And people are like, why don't you work there? And I'm like, I couldn't do it. Like, I apologize. Like, you know, there's a lot of wonderful people there. I'm sure it's a great employer, but I, I just couldn't do it. And so they shaped my job and it had the controller lead that element of it. And so I got to lean into other things. That's and, right. you know, fast forward to today when we were reorganizing, you know, when John Kirk retired, we had a mm-hmm. chance to look through from an, an RSPA standpoint. And we got to say not just what did John do and I'll move into that. Where do I think my strengths are? Marie Perry, our VP of administration, what are her strengths? What does she really like to do? What's she capable of? Um, you know, I mentioned Kathy Meter, our VP of education, Ashley yes. Nagy, you know, Chris Arnold, like all those folks. And we got together the leadership team and we went through all the job descriptions and actually put them all into one big document so everybody could see what each other was yes. doing, where should we move the, the chess pieces? So I apologize. Yeah. I'm supposed to be the host and not the guest, but the, no, I guess this is for like, it's been like a 25 year journey for me. And I'll tell you what, if you walk into a job and you've got even 5% of it is like, like I can't stand doing that. It's really, it feels like it's 85% uh, of the job. So I guess that's the whole thing is maybe a lot of our listeners are doing what they want to do because they're the business owners and the leaders, but Mm -hmm. there's gotta be a dialogue and a willingness to reshape and reorient based on the people and some, you know, something's going to fall to the ground and it's not going to fit and somebody has to take it on. But if they like, you know, a big chunk of their job, you know, almost all of it, these other things they'll be able to able to tolerate. So again, I'll, I'll hop off my soapbox there and see what I guess, is that what you're talking about? And what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Especially in today's uh, environment, this job market is so tight and you have not only the folks that are coming back into the workforce that were uh, taken out because of the last two years, you also have what some call the great resignation, especially here in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. uh, People are leaving jobs. They are they're tired. They're exhausted. They're exhausted by work they don't want to do. And they're looking for that flexibility. They're looking for you know, more psychological safety within a role and uh, they want to do good work and work that they enjoy. And that's part of the reason of putting in the, the work on the front end uh, to ensure. Yeah, ensure that it's a good fit. Uh, as opposed to, you know, just somebody who's applied for the position. I like how you said that they're exhausted by the work they don't want to do. It's not necessarily the time that people have to put into it that exhausts them. It's it's just not enjoyable. And it just feels like, you know, 
I remember being back in school, like in an hour and 20 minute class. And you're like, is this thing over yet? We're only 15 minutes in like, oh my exactly. gosh, you know, philosophy class just, you know, so it was interminable uh, for that. So. Exactly. And then that's the last thing I want to do is, is, you know, we're on a mission uh, at Vault and I don't, uh, I, I want happy people. I want productive people and we are full steam ahead. So uh, you know, the last thing I want to do is, is, um, you know, not put in the work to ensure that we have a successful team. Absolutely. And that takes a lot of work up front to do, not just, you know, throwing a job description out there. So, all right. So before we take a break, and again, we want to talk about, you know, some other things with, with recruiting. Have I given you the opportunity in terms of the framework and the, the unique, the unconventional things that you do? Are there other tactics that you want to talk about and share with our audience, you know, before we get into the pace of hiring and onboarding and things like that? What else? Uh, Again, I feel like I was peppering you with a million questions there, but what else? I know you're a planner. Uh, what else did you want to share with our audience? No, I uh, I think that, um, you know, it sounds like a lot. It can sound like heavy lifting, but but if you think about the result that, that for our first phase of growth, that we were able to achieve that in 30 days is, you know, typically in tech, um, our window is at best 90 days. So... Uh, it works and it's worth the effort. That's all I'd say. Yeah. Uh, talk about why the window's only 90 days. Uh, you know, typically uh, within my space specifically or within, uh, you know, California startup world tech, uh, it's typically 90 days uh, on both ends. 90 days if you want to get a new job uh, to fill your own pipeline of opportunities, go through the interview and the onboarding process. Uh, in this world, it's pretty uh, intense. Uh, they're long. Uh, the interview process is long. It's with a lot of people. Uh, and then uh, equally on the other side, uh, if you are filling or growing your organization, and I've built out several marketing organizations, it typically on average takes about 90 days uh, in a traditional method to recruit and onboard uh, a hire. Got it. Okay. And so you're saying once somebody's starting to look for a job, they're open to it, the clock is ticking, they're going to find something likely within 90 days, if not sooner. And then you have to, you know, move quickly as well. Yeah. I would say that in today's world, right now in this current market, uh, one could go find something probably in two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's pretty hot uh, yep. job market. For sure. Well, let's uh, pause here to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships for VARS start at just $250 a year for dozens of high-value services, including access to a legal advisor, a security advisor, and a VAR and ISE business advisor, exclusive e-learning opportunities through RSP Academy Accelerate, and a college scholarship program for families of RSPA reseller members. Vendors and software developers benefit from an RSPA membership as well through introductions to VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSPA Solutions Center. Also, we want to say thanks to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor, you might recognize him, Tracy, is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Brother, Cocard, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at GoRSPA.org. And then finally, registration is now open for Retail Now 2022. As we mentioned earlier, it's a Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now is where the industry meets. And so we are recording this in early May and we'll be uh, publishing it soon or launching it soon afterwards. You can tell them in print, I publish uh, everything. And I can <laughs> let folks know, you know, we have almost like unlimited capacity on the, you know, in terms of for registrations, but the hotel is not unlimited uh, capacity. And that thing sells out every year. And if you get off the, um, if you don't get the, the room rate that we have from an RSP standpoint, you're going to pay like 2x what the rate is now, right? You're going to go from 200 something to like 400 something dollars uh, to stay at the Gaylord. So make sure you register now, make sure you reserve 
your room now and love to see everybody uh, at Orlando. So, all right, so uh, Tracy, let's talk about now the pace at which companies need to move today. We just kind of started touching on that. So I was trained when I was hiring not to leave what we called air in the system, right? Like no gaps between the steps, but you still have to be really thorough. So can you talk about the balance, the balance about, you know, investing the right amount of time to gather the data you need and make it sound hiring decision while mm-hmm. also moving quickly so don't miss out on those hot candidates and those, you know, windows that are closing as we talked about? Uh, if you've done the work on the front end, uh, you can move with incredible uh, agility uh, and bias for execution. Um, and I think that in today's world, uh, it's, it's uh, frankly, not necessarily just a strength to have, it's a, it's a requirement if you're going to succeed as an organization. I think that uh, bringing my work in, in uh, brand strategy, as well as uh, most of my career has been in uh, the startup world, which is incredibly fast paced uh, and very agile that uh, with an informed plan that I was able to bring that back into the channel here with Vault with, with great uh, results. Got it. Great. And uh, can you give any specifics in terms of like how many interviews do you do? How do you make sure that those, um, you know, are compact enough so you're not losing folks in that, you know, 30 or 90 day window? Can you talk about that in a little more detail? Sure. So so in, let's look at this in parallel. In, in the old world, I would have uh, posted my job on LinkedIn, maybe Indeed. I would have gotten maybe 100, 200 uh, applications for the role. Uh, you know, you're doing the whole process of trying to figure out who this person is on paper. Um, and we get caught in this trap of perfect titles and, uh, you know, the, 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 their, their resume, their CV looks really good, but you really don't know until you get them in that role, if they're going to, that puzzle piece is really going to fit. Uh, and you know, for what, what we were doing, um, it is very personalized and bringing the um, them on on board is um, it, it enabled me to focus uh, on very, a very specific group of, of, of candidates. So taking from 200 down to, let's say, uh, I started talking to 10, 15 individuals. And okay. from there, I uh, narrowed my focus down to a handful of individuals. Um, and continued the conversations and the followed through on that process of personalizing and customizing uh, in, until uh, we had an offer ready. Now, I still have pipeline uh, uh, for our next phase of growth. Uh, I continue to talk to uh, my network, whether it be through LinkedIn or social channels. Uh, frankly, I even have someone in my pipeline that I met here who has uh, here in San Francisco that has nothing to do with technology at all, but uh, she has a very specific uh, skill set that um, I think that would be perfect uh, for the next phase of our growth. Um, so I, I hope that's helpful in, in how, how we uh, got to, in terms of converting from a much smaller target yeah. Uh, yeah. group and then converting down to the, the handful that we hired. And then once you have a candidate who's, you know, you're interested in and they might be a good fit, can you talk about those steps? Like, is it a video interview and then an in-person interview? Like, how many interviews uh, do you have and do you have testing, things like that? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) very unconventional. Uh, A lot of them started with uh, uh, email or uh, chat through Facebook. Hey, what are you up to? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. What do you? What, what's what's going on in your world? What do you? What are you looking to do next? Um, where are you at in terms of of your career? Um, and then on to then we get into a more formal conversation uh, with the job description, uh, and we start to have conversations. They're very casual uh, in the beginning because I truly just want to. I want it to be an authentic experience, uh, and I want to make sure it's a right fit for everybody. Uh, and that's where. You know, you might have someone that that checks, you know, four of the five boxes, but but do you, you know, do you really need that person to check that fifth box, or can another role do that, or can we get there in a in a different uh, to the same successful outcome uh, yeah. with a just a different approach? Uh, so it's it's a lot of conversations, uh, even the uh, formal, if you will, interviews with our team members are um, very casual in nature uh, yeah. by design. 
right? We want, we, it's a conversation. It's a long conversation, yeah. if you will. Yeah, it's a conversation, not an interrogation. That's, yes, perfectly stated. Yeah. All right. And then how many conversations do you have? How much time do you spend with a successful candidate before you make a job offer? Is that two hours, 20 hours, 50 hours? It's more over, you know, a couple of weeks. So less, less about it's more, how long does it take? Uh, it takes as long as it takes is, is yeah. I know that's very ambiguous, but we want to get to the right outcome. Uh, and, you know, folks will let you know right away if it, if, if it, if it, if it's a fit or not. Uh, and some people are like, this sounds good, but I'm, I want to, I'm not done with where I'm at. Check in with me in six months, which is great because yeah. mm -hmm. I'll be ready to talk about the next phase then. Yeah. Well, you saying it takes as long as it takes reminds me, uh, you know, I was an English major uh, back at uh, Gannon uh, University. And so Walter Minot, Dr. Walter Minot. And so, uh, you know, I had to have him for a whole bunch of classes and he never had, you know, here's your word count. And so, you know, you learn that the first time he gives a writing assignment. And then in a future class, you know, he'd give an assignment. You'd wait for a kid who never had him before. Dr. Minot, how long should this be? And he would always, he'd like light up and he would say, if you can say it in a word, say it in a word. If you need a thousand words, a thousand words, but no more than what you need. And that's everything. That's always what it was like. And that's what it came down to. It was like, and it was, I guess, freeing in that way that it was, yeah, if you can say it in a paragraph, just do a paragraph. Like that's what yeah. it should be. And that kind of sounds like right. what you're talking about. Some folks you might need to spend more time with to dig into. Some folks you might need to spend less time, but have predetermined structure for it but That's then right. just move through really quickly until you get to the right conclusion, if I'm understanding That's that. Right. Uh, you know, again, bias for execution, agility. So, uh, it, you know, it's not the long road. Uh, we, we were able to do this within 30 days. Um, yeah. And and so it, it's it's because we, we did the, the planning on the front end, if you would. Yeah, and I'll, I'll share with our, our listeners. So if you're an RSPay member, uh, we have a tool that's called an employee hiring process and it maps out a lot of what Tracy is talking about in terms of where do we think we're going to do from a recruiting standpoint? What's the general pay range for this position? What are the required skills and character traits? What are the preferred skills and character traits? Do we have a job description? Have we started to build a training program? Uh, things of that nature. And so I always say, you know, most people in for hiring instead of ready, aim, hire, it's just somebody leaves, they panic, and then they go out and try to, you know, hire the least worst person. This is ready, aim, hire. And this is the aim part of that. You taking time to say, who exactly we're looking for, what's going to be our general framework. And then, like Tracy said, you just go and execute on it. So again, RSP members, if you feel like, oh, this seems like a lot of work, uh, we've got a, a framework you can start with. And it's really heavy with what Tracy talked about, yeah. not just here, all the skills, but here are the character traits that we're looking for. Because, you know, I told you, we just, uh, I tagged you on LinkedIn about a, a marketing, you know, the mark composition. We talk about, hey, we want you to be writing a communication, but it's more important that you're a critical thinker, right? That you're a high initiative, that you have a history of perseverance, right? And, and things of that nature, those are far more important than just, you know, what it says on paper, quite frankly. So I guess before I ask you some questions about onboarding, what are your, what are your thoughts on that in the general oh, employee hiring process? Absolutely. And going back to the unconventional method and talking to your friends and colleagues and just having conversations, I can already think of three people that, uh, that you need to talk to for that role. All right. uh, and, and start the conversation. So uh, understanding what, you know, what it is that you're looking for and that you were able to have such a clear um, framework, if you will, it makes it really easy. Great. And if, if folks are listening and thinking like, I don't have time to do all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. If you do it right the first time, the chances you're going to have to hire all over again uh, are reduced significantly. Of course, no one can predict human behavior, but you know, the old John Wooden quote, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, when will you have time to do it? Again, so if you invest so much upfront, you have a way, way higher chance of uh, of having somebody who's going to be a long-term employee for you and really lift your organization. Nobody wants to be hiring every six months, year, uh, eighteen months, and just rehiring over and over for that position. So, That's all right, great. so that that was recruiting. Let's touch on employee onboarding because you know, just like the recruiting process, onboarding sets the tone for that employee experience, which you're going to be talking about more at retail now. So, and I guess before we talk tactics about onboarding, why should our listeners spend time improving the onboarding process, right? Isn't a quick tutorial, like here's the office, here's the handbook and go hang out with, you know, 
John and he'll show you how to do the job. Talk about the benefits that you've seen of really more a beefed up onboarding program beyond the typical what most organizations do. Uh, it guarantees that you uh, or increases the probability that you will have an engaged uh, and accountable team member uh, by giving them the frankly, the, the time and, and space and respect uh, to, to um, under, you know, to learn the role and um, uh, you know, give them what they need uh, to do the role successfully. And so that's part of the, the onboarding is we took that job description. We now move it over to a new document, if you will, because uh, it's been customized and personalized, right? Uh, so now I'm taking it and I'm, say, I'm building out for myself this is my framework for 30, 60, 90 days for success. How am I going to embed uh, the activities um, into this individual's daily uh, schedule to ensure they're successful? And so uh, we start on day one. We give them um, uh, house accounts. We give them a, a, a executive sponsor, if you will, uh, to be on these calls together. I mean, they're hitting the ground running on day one. Uh, to build the muscle and understand the vault way and, and learn that immediately. And then we, of course, give them their own um, targets and, and uh, outcomes that we're looking for. So it builds in um, confidence, you know, the, the, from, yes. from, from uh, achieving success right away. Um, and, uh, look we're 30 days later and it's popping like we i it, i have an autonomous team that's engaged accountable solving problems uh and typically you know i can only say from a marketing side that's been my background and so i've always been closely aligned with sales but a little bit on the outside uh you know a salesperson is an investment and often organizations uh plan to wait six 12 months before they really get their return and um, with a plan and following it all the way through and then onboarding uh, them according to that plan and setting, there's no surprises. And we've been talking about this throughout the interview process and now uh, through the onboarding. And we're now partnering with them uh, to do the work to ensure their success. I think in parallel to that is really important and it's offering psychological safety offering them the learner safety so the ability to ask the dumb questions uh or what i call clunky questions you know i'll often say this is going to be clunky but uh, i'm just going to yeah. step in to get to get to put a stake in the ground uh and then giving them uh um challenger safety why are we doing it this way have you considered doing it this way? Uh, and then, yep. you know, um, contributor safety, giving them the space. So we've given them the framework and, you know, there's only so much of that you can do. And then in order uh, to to ensure their success, giving them the, all of the psychological safety to go through the process because they have to go through the process with or without it. Uh, and remember, so part of it is, yes, we want to achieve successful outcomes that are for our go-to-market strategy, uh, but we also want successful, they're human beings, people yes. uh, on, on our team. Yeah, because oftentimes we forget about the feeling they come on board and all these acronyms are thrown around and everybody seems like they know what they're doing. And their reaction isn't, for most people, oh, I'll pick up on this. Over time, they're like, I'm stupid, I'm not qualified, or they're not going to say that out loud, but like, I don't even know if I should be here, because they're in the doubting phase when they take That's on right. a new job oftentimes. And so if you are just throwing them to the wolves or not giving them the breadcrumbs, like you said, the success to build up the confidence, they'll physically or mentally opt out uh, from right. it and start thinking, well, maybe this isn't for me. That's right. It's throwing money uh, in the wind, if you will, because you just, it's a, it's a, a the probability that it's you know not going to work out yeah. uh, goes sky high. So, uh, so what does that training program look like? Because you know I've counseled folks on this for years, and I always tell them like I know I always used to say, no, you're not IBM, right? You're not some Fortune 500 company. You've got some big binder. Like we're going to put you through training. Like go over to the training department. So what do you do in order to get these candidates the onboarding and training and orientation that they need without you know what are with only doing what an smb can right they're not able to put together right. volumes of binders and have people totally dedicated to it what do you do how do, how do you uh, I, yeah 
Absolutely, which I wouldn't recommend. I coming from a startup mentality, uh, you know, agility, <laughs> bias for execution. Yep. The first week we all come together on site uh, and we drink from the fire hose like everybody else does. Uh, we have an incredible engineering team uh, and they, they lead a deep dive on all of our products and the technology. Uh, I'll take the, the team through our corporate strategy or go to market uh, strategy where they fit in and how important each individual role is uh, to achieve that strategy. Yep. Uh, we yep. do a lot of uh, what we used to call back in the in the channel days, you know, breaking bread or you know, breaking bread together. We spend a lot of time getting to know each other. Um, and so that's the first week. But then we also uh, by the time by the last day of that onboarding week, we uh, give the team their 30, 60, 90 day plan uh, for this is what you're going to be working on starting on Monday. Uh, when you start your day, these are the things that you're going to be doing in the tasks uh, because it's overwhelming. And so if you can embed a little bit of that practice in for them, it's like 30 days for a good habit. Right. Um, yep. And like I said, we're, we're here today and, and uh, I that they're rocking and rolling. I like that. And let me share with you what. And so just for our listeners, there's no like one perfect right way to do this. Like what I'm going to share with the RSP does a little bit differently from what Tracy, but it doesn't mean one's right, one's wrong. It just depends on, you know, your culture and uh, the individuals and, and, and how you work. And what we do is like for this new Marcom manager, you know, put together again, that whole job description and everything like that. And then talk with Chris Arnold, who's going to be the person supervising them. He's the prior Marcom manager. And we went through and we also cheated off, you know, somebody who we had hired before. What are they going to need to do on day one? What are they going to need to do those first, you know, the first week or so? And one of them is, like you said, we're all remote, but setting up time to spend a long time with each one of the employees to talk about what do you do, right? Like, how would I fit in? What do you do? All that kind of stuff. And actually get to know people, you know, as, as human beings. Then we kind of lay out a lot of the tasks in terms of from the simplest all the way to the more complex. And then we also have some elements on there that are self-study time as well in terms of listening to podcasts, reading blog posts, things of that nature. And so, and then what we do is we meet with, you know, first early on, it's like almost every day where you're saying, here's what you're gonna be doing today. Here's you're gonna be spending time with. But then it moves into maybe a couple times a week, then it gets down to weekly. But that person keeps, and this is, again, it's me being old school. It's not digital, it's printed up. I'll do tick marks next to how many calls have they done with so-and-so on this topic so we get to see well they've done 10 now like are they up to speed on that should they be up to speed on that by now but it also gives that person some autonomy as well where if there's a gap where somebody isn't supervising them and you know a person can't be sitting down with them they just go do some of that self-study work and we sit down at the beginning and after two or three weeks they're able to say what haven't you got to what things do you think you should dive into next and then oh this thing's coming up so you want to see that and they kind of map out their next week and to your point of it's not so overwhelming that it's figure out everything within the first whatever and by the time they get to that you know fourth week they're actually engaged in things because they know some stuff and they're also adding new things uh, as well. And so, again, that's the way that we do it. It's just one, you know, big Word document. And we use that as, you know, it gets all dog-eared and marked up and different <laughs> colored pens and things like that. But it's really, you know, it's not nothing that we just started here at the RSPA. It's, uh, you know, something I've seen done successfully by SMBs. And it took us a couple hours to put the whole thing together you know, start to finish in order to do it. And we'll tweak it, right? And we'll, you know, as a person comes in, we forget things, we'll add things onto the bottom and, and kind of work with them from there. So mm -hmm. I guess uh, I wanted to share that with our listeners. And I guess also, Tracy, get your take in terms of thoughts on that. Do you think that would work, areas to improve, things like that? Uh, I think what's really interesting is that you have all come up through marketing, right? So your background is in marketing. Um, Chris's background is in marketing. And so this person is uh, already going to be set up for success because you've got all of these years and years of work that you've already done. So probably was pretty easy to sit down and and put your plan and your framework together because so much work had been done uh, prior to that. I, it sounds really good. And part of what that thing does, it has actions they're supposed to take. And it's not just, like you said, I have a lot of stories I can tell. Chris has a lot of stories he can tell. And it wouldn't be like, <laughs> sit back and listen to me, right? Like that doesn't help at all. It reminds me of uh, when I was coaching youth soccer, I went to a, a coach's camp. So there were probably a hundred coaches and only four showed up. And uh, mm -hmm. the guy, he's a longtime college soccer coach. And his first question was, 
how'd you learn how to throw a football? And the guys look around at each other and they're like, we just went outside and started throwing a football. Yeah, don't lecture to your kids about soccer. Have them start kicking the ball and then adjust from there. And I've always kind of translated that into, uh, you know, the workplace as well. Don't just tell people everything about marketing. Give them one specific task. Like we actually have their first job, Tracy, is to write their own press release for them being hired, right? And so we get to say, yes. go read other press releases, know what best practices are. You write mm -hmm. something, we'll go and edit it from there. And then we actually give something to work on. So they're doing something we're teaching them uh, along the way. That's probably the most uh, important piece of this conversation is, is we've talked before about you know, building out uh, corporate strategy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of heavy lifting. And, and, and having all of your stakeholders involved in the process, uh, the work is the work. That's how you embed uh, best practices. It's how you build capabilities and, and muscle, if you will. So uh, doing the work is part of the work. Yep, absolutely. You got to get it, got to get them started. They can't just be listening mode because they'll tune you out after a, after a certain That's amount right. of time. So, well, and so Tracy, I know we're short on time. My last two quick questions for you. Do you remember the last time you attended retail now? <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to say it was maybe 2008. Okay. All right. <laughs> very a different show. I have come back to a very different uh, <laughs> ecosystem, if you will. Yes, the, the channel has changed. So how excited are you to return this year and actually get to uh, get you? We talked about education. This will be education by immersion for you uh, right That's back right. into the channel. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm excited to uh, see a lot of old friends. Uh, I'm excited to see a lot of uh, friends that are in my pipeline for our next phase of growth. Right. Uh, and uh, it's exciting to see all of the new companies uh, that are in uh, RSPA now. And I hope to see even more growth, especially with ISVs. That's been it's been really exciting because there's this um, it feels like my the worlds are colliding where a lot of startup and technology mm -hmm. is making its way into the channel. And this goes back to two years ago when you were talking about there's a shift underway. This is this is more of an ecosystem, not a channel. So I can't For wait. Sure. Yeah. They, uh, so from an ISV standpoint, about half the show floor are software companies from an exhibitor standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, RSP added in the past 12 months, we've added, it was just wrapped up our fiscal year, 147 new members on top of a 99% renewal rate. So that led to a whole bunch of growth. Last year, Retail Now had 230 ISV executives there. And of those 147 that we brought on board in the past year, a good chunk of them, I think a third to 40%, I don't know the exact numbers, were software developers. But it, I guess there's a thing of, while the software developers are obviously you know, part of the center of the universe, they're right alongside those resellers and the VARs, you know, really working. It's not that they're replacing or there has to be some sort of war. Um, it seems like you need to serve both if you're gonna be a vendor in this space, you need to get along with each other from a VAR ISV standpoint. That's right, partners. Wonderful. We are really looking forward to, to seeing you uh, at the event, Tracy. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never, ever miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2022. We talked about it earlier, July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, featuring a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including building a better employee experience. For all the details, visit the show website at gorspa.org forward slash retail now and last things before we go big thanks again to tracy landy for sharing her wisdom with us today thanks also to rsp director of marketing and strategic partnerships chris arnold for his production work joseph mcdade for our music and last but not least thanks so much to you for listening our goal at the rspa is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail it ecosystem there's that word ecosystem by providing <laughs> knowledge and connections for more information please visit our website at gorspa.org Thanks so much for listening and goodbye, everybody.